Hey everyone. A new report says hate crimes in Houston are up, but there's a caveat. Plus, a local university is stepping up in a major way to help out students. And Hobby Airport is coming for the top spot as the best airport in the city. Lead producer Dina Kespa joins me to recap these stories and more. It's Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, Dina, I've got an exercise for you. Because it was such a busy weekend, I've got three headlines here for you, and you have to tell me which one is fake, all right? You game? Oh, this is a hard one. Okay, go. (laughs) All right, number one, Matthew McConaughey's new children's book was inspired by a dream. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) number two, Kansas woman visiting Houston has her car and wedding dress stolen in Houston flea market. And number three, Kentucky man catches a 238-pound alligator gar in a Texas lake. Which one is fake? Bro, all of those sound real. Like, I know Matthew McConaughey has a new book out. Do I know how it inspired him? I don't know all the details about that. The wedding dress bit also sounds kind of real. Like, people get random weird things stolen all the time. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go with the dream. Did he really dream it? I don't know. I'm going to go for number one. (laughs) Okay, it's your question. They're all real, but they all sound so fake to me, by the way. (laughs) Like to me, I saw all these headlines. I'm like, wait, what? Matthew McConaughey's new children's book was inspired by a dream? Like, come on. And then a Kansas woman who was here in town went to the sunny flea market after shopping on Harwin and picking up stuff for her wedding day, including her wedding dress, which was in the car had her car stolen from a paid parking lot. And then guess what? The attendant who was there, he was gone. So like, (laughs) what is happening? And then the Kentucky man who was here in Texas, uh, he was fishing on a lake about 140 miles from here, Mm -hmm. caught a eight foot, four inch, 238 pound alligator gar, which is the record. Dang. Think about that. Eight foot four, 238. Come on, son. That's (laughs) huge. See, I feel like... That's not too surprising to me because I feel like people always catch weird, large things in our waters all the time. Like they always catch something large. So I was like, all right, that's fine. The dress, come on, man. Like (laughs) that should have been an easy one, Raheel. (laughs) That's totally real. That was easy. That one was easy. But yeah, the Matthew McConaughey one was there to throw you off a little bit. But that is a very Matthew McConaughey thing. Like I just dreamt up a children's (laughs) book. All right, all right, all right. You know, why not? Okay, I want to start with the biggest story, if that's cool. Yeah, hit it. Okay, so hate crimes were up 26.5% from 2021 to 2022, according to the Center for the Study of Hate and Mm. Extremism. So most big cities saw a spike in hate crimes, including us, so Mm -hmm. we're not alone. Now, a hate crime is typically defined as violence stemming from victims' race, color, sexuality, religion, or national origin. Now, here's the caveat with all this. We went from 49 hate crimes to 62. Hmm. That's not like I get, look, one hate crime is too much. I understand Mm -hmm. it's bad. But in a city where millions of people are interacting with each other every single day, and I know some of them didn't go reported. So Mm -hmm. like not every crime is reported. Exactly. But a total of 62 crimes, Hmm. I don't think that's, that's not that bad for how many people that live here. Am I wrong here? Uh, Honestly, I feel like that's kind of high for Houston. You know, 
Houston is just so diverse. I don't even expect it to be such a high number. I expect it to be maybe lower. But again, mm. we're not even considering people who don't even report whatever racial remarks or slurs are thrown at them, like when they're driving yeah. or when they're in a store or walking past someone. So it could very well be much higher. And I guess I'm surprised because it's Houston. How so? Surprised that we even have such a number in Houston. Granted, you know, they're probably looking at our vast huge city. So yes, there's going to be pockets of like haters and racists. Don't doubt that. But I, I guess I just didn't think it would be 62. I thought it would be a different number. Mm. So the other cities, let me go through the numbers real quickly. Chicago had the highest change in hate crimes. They were up 85% almost. Wow. Austin was up almost 59%. Dang. LA was 41%. Philadelphia about 30%. And Houston came in fifth with the fifth biggest change at almost 27%. New York was there at 14%. Dallas saw a 4% raise in hate crime. So I wanted to bring that up because, you know, there are hate crimes. Yes. And again, I get it. One is too many, but 62 total. Okay. You mm -hmm. know what? We can lower that number and we can bring that down. But all right. With the amount of people that live here, I'm okay with it. You know what didn't surprise me from that list? Austin. I don't know why, but it definitely strikes me as a city that would have a lot more hate crime. Yeah, and it is changing so fast, right? With so many people moving to Austin mm -hmm. for technology jobs and the gentrification of Austin has been yes. happening for the last 15 years or so. So I, I see, yeah, Austin is definitely one. But again, the population boom will just naturally increase more crimes as well. Exactly, yeah. That's so true. Okay, one last thing on this study. They pointed out that the hate crimes will spike around religious holidays mm. and the end of the year. Yes, so they do. that is one thing to watch for. And in the months leading up to a presidential election. So next year, there might be another spike as we have a presidential election coming up. Mm -hmm. That's so true, especially the religious aspect of it, like during Ramadan, of course, security is like stacked at the mosque, especially at late night hours when everyone's, you know, over there praying through the night. And it's sad. Yeah. You have to go in and pray kind of always, you know, looking behind your shoulder at the same time because you're kind of scared. Is someone going to come on and like do something? Is something going to happen in the parking lot? Because it has happened in the past. Absolutely, it has. All right. What was your biggest story? So this story is super exciting because I have a bunch of friends that went, but it's the official opening of the traditional Iraqi reed house, which is also known as a mothef. And what a mothef is, it serves as a community gathering center. It um, happens in the marshlands, southeast Iraq area, and that's been a tradition for them since 3200 BCE. So it's an old, old tradition. And this is free to the public, open right now at Rice University. It looks magnificent. It is super huge. And everything that you see in this was shipped directly from Iraq to Houston. One thing that I read that surprised me is despite all the like horrible things that you could imagine to go wrong with trying to get this endeavor built, they still managed to get it done, especially because coming from Iraq all the way to Houston and getting everything like the authentic material that's used in their traditions. And that's no small feat. That's huge. Like even I yeah. was reading how 
Jasim Al-Asadi, who's the administrator of Nature Iraq, was the person who was their go-to contact. He was the person helping source all the marshland reeds for this project. Bro, he was kidnapped and held for two weeks captive at the beginning of February in this area, like super close to Baghdad, which is the capital of Iraq. So think about it. Like the guy who's supposed to get you everything you need is kidnapped, held captive. And you're just kind of like, oh, my goodness, like this is like life and death trying to get this done. That is wild. Insane. So now people can just go look at this, right? And hang out there. And the whole point of this is to, of course, bring awareness to what was once so important, but also to you know really generate a sense of community and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a 27 foot long motif. Okay. It's the first of its kind in the US. And this was all volunteer led construction, mind you. So that's incredible to see that it's open. Tours are being offered all through the end of fall this year. So I highly recommend going. I've only seen pictures and I can't wait to book my own ticket and go. But it looks so amazing and so rich. You know, I feel like Iraq's tradition and its culture is really slept on. Not a lot of people know about it, but it is one to be celebrated. That is awesome. That is so cool to see. And I can't wait to go look at it as well. Rice University just keeps doing awesome stuff. It's a place for the arts. You can go check out free stuff all the time. So shout out to Rice University for doing this. Okay, are you ready for some rapid fire? Because I've got three stories here and I want to get your opinions on them. Hit me. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Hobby Airport is about to become Southwest Airlines Airport pretty much because a new Mm -hmm. expansion project, which is valued at $470 million, is getting underway to start 2024. They're going to add seven new gates to Hobby Airport. Six are going to belong to Southwest Airlines. So we'll also have a revamped baggage system and some cool amenities for passengers So we've got that for us. But this is basically the Southwest Airlines takeover continues of Hobby Airport. City Council approved the project and it's going to take two years to finish with an estimated date of completion of 2026. Are you excited for this? Because Hobby Airport is the best airport right now. Hell yeah, I'm excited for Hobby Airport. I feel like it's been neglected for so many years. You know, it was always like the Dungy Airport when <laughs> growing up. Anyone who's like family members or whatever flying into Hobby were like, oh, Lord. Yes, Bush is a bit farther, but at least you felt like, oh, it's so pretty, nice and clean and shiny. But Hobby Airport's finally getting the love it needs and expanding, getting better, getting new restaurants, all that stuff. Like, hell yeah, I'm so excited. Hobby Airport's making noise because, yeah, it used to be the small, dingular airport, but now it's the best because of its size. You don't have like seven terminals and construction all the time Mm -hmm. and don't even get me started on Terminal E or Terminal (laughs) C C at at IH. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Please fix that, Bush Airport. Let's go. But I love this for Hobby Airport. And I love that Southwest Airlines is getting more love. And they're really, really deepening their grip here in the city of Houston. Mm -hmm. So I love it. You know, add more international flights if you can, because Southwest Airlines, I like y'all. I like United as well. Okay. I know everyone has issues with every airline ever. (laughs) But hey, the more you can become a part of the community with more flights and more gates, that's better for the economy. Heck yeah. Let's go. Okay. My second story for you. Texas Southern University did one of the best things ever. 
they just cleared $2.3 million in student debt going back to 2022, which allows students now to register for classes because previously, if you had owed money, you can't register for classes. And also for students who graduated, they can now get their diplomas and certificates so they can move forward with their lives. TSU said the funds were left over from the Federal Higher Education Emergency Relief Funds, which was part of the CARES Act during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've talked about that surplus so much in other institutions and government agencies. But to see being used for this, I applaud them and shout out to TSU because that is incredible. Hell yeah. Honestly, education should be free. Like, come on. This is amazing. Yeah, to see an institution doing the right thing here and helping students out without like opening it up for debate because then it turns into, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I paid my student loans and everyone should have like all that stuff that we've already seen with the student loan forgiveness program debates. They just did it. They're like, hey, here's what we're doing because most of our students come from communities that can't afford education or you might be the first student Mm -hmm. in your family going to a higher education university. So here's what we're doing and move on with your life and get that education. So shout out to them. I just want to bring that to the table. Yeah, no, this is a big thing. And I hope other universities see this as an example, you know, that TSU Mm -hmm. is setting a really good example for other universities to see this and to do the same for their students, especially students that are struggling, you know, graduating with debt, also with like crazy inflation, unstable economy, not even sure if you're going to get a job. Like that is just takes one really big burden off a student's shoulders. And I really hope other universities follow suit. See, if I was a billionaire, I'd be going around and just paying off student debt and going to lunch rooms and paying off those Mm -hmm. bills and all that stuff. Like I would be using my money just to (laughs) help students out because I've been there and it sucks. Yeah, but no, no, no. Our billionaires are trying to go to the moon. Yeah. Hey, man, (laughs) do what you got to do. I would be a different type of billionaire or even like a multimillionaire. Yeah. (laughs) I would start doing it at a multimillionaire level. (laughs) Speaking of, have you heard all the outrage of Oprah and The Rock trying to like source money for the Maui fires from like average people? When they are like a multi-billionaire and a multi-millionaire? No, I didn't see that. I saw them raising funds, <laughs> but they they have donated as well, right? They did. But like, think about it, right? They created this whole fund, tax break for them, and they donated, true, but they have like an endless supply of like stupid money. And they're asking the average person for money. And people are just like pissed on the internet. They're like raging. They're like, how dare oh, you sit on. up in your little mansion, avocado tree filled home asking me for a dollar when I'm struggling to like make ends meet. You know, I'm with the people on that. That's so true. Really? Why? We always do that though. They have enough money to help everyone in Maui. They have enough, they have way enough money. Like don't ask people who are struggling with inflation, you know, uh, job security, crazy and fluctuating economy. No, no, no. Use your money. I am 100% with these people. Interesting. Rich people always uh, ask for money, right? Like when Hurricane mm-hmm. Harvey was mm-hmm. happening, True. a lot of rich people put together funds and donation causes to help us out. And people donated from across the nation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's part of it. Truth. But I think we're living in different times where people are no longer tolerating the bullcrap of like rich people who literally have such deep pockets mm. asking the average like citizen for money. They're kind of just like, absolutely not. You've literally have enough money to help every single person. So don't even ask people for money. Wow, that is crazy. So they put together this fund and they raised $10 million to initiate mm-hmm. the People's Fund of Maui. And then of course they asked 
people as well to donate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't I didn't see that they were getting slammed. Oof. I just moved on with my life. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like it exploded. You know, they're raising money like everyone does. <laughs> the hate exploded. I don't think I saw wow, one positive man. thing. <laughs> That's the weird thing about the internet. There's just so much positivity there. Mm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, last thing for you on a rapid fire. I've never noticed this, but did you know local high schools don't have speed zone signage up? Like, I've never noticed this. But now, thanks to a new state bill, there will be signage up for speed limits because the new bill requires all high schools to install school zone signage. Now, it is going to take six months to a year to get these new signs up. But did you know that? I've never noticed this, that we didn't have speed limit signage up around high schools. I honestly don't like I'm trying to think if my high school had it. Granted, it's been so long, but I always thought that there was. I don't know why. I assumed there was, but yeah, dang, that's a I remember problem. seeing signage around my high schools. Um, even the one that's near me here out in Fort Bend ISD, I see it, but I don't drive through it during the morning rush hour because I'm dropping off my daughter to her elementary school, which by the way, there is mm-hmm. signage and people still go over the speed limit. Yep, so they do. don't make me stand out there with a thermometer gun and like act like I have a speed radar gun and try to stop people. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's not a thermometer gun. Speedometer. That's what I'm saying. But I take my thermometer, oh. <laughs> like my little, and it, it looks like a, a radar gun, right? Like a speed oh, radar gun. So I people see. freak out. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You're that dad. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm trying to protect my kids. Okay. And other kids in the neighborhood. <laughs> but yeah, so this new bill is going to require signage. So I didn't know that. So I hope, you know, somebody learned something new because I definitely did. Wow. Me either. Okay, Dina, let's talk about something that's bothering you, a gripe. What do you have? Come on, get it off your chest right now. Oh, this irks me to my core. Okay, so this has been an issue for as long as I can remember. Like Highway 6, Sugarland area, after dark, you just don't want to be on the road because more than likely you're going to get hit by a drunk driver. This has been an issue that happens all the time. And most recently, a man was charged in the Sugarland crash that killed one person. So there was an accident in Sugarland where the guy was driving drunk and it led to a major, major accident Saturday night and it killed one person and injured four in Sugarland. This has been an issue like for as long as I can remember. Also, Highway 6 has no lights on the road like at night. There's parts of it that literally look so dark. But I'm just so tired of drunk driving not being taken seriously in this country. Across the board, we see it being a problem. We see it kind of just looking like a little slap on the wrist. Maybe if we had harsher punishments for drunk driving, maybe it'll result in less people driving drunk. Like I don't understand what could possess a person to get behind a wheel when they clearly are not capable of driving their car. Like I just don't understand it. And it just, it kills me because that area, like I have so much family that lives down that area. I get scared driving at night in that area because I'm just like, constantly on on pens and needles, like hoping that I don't drive next to a drunk driver. I don't get hit because Highway 6 is just notorious for it. Yeah. Highway 6, because so many people use it. And the one thing that really bothers me about Highway 6 is one, you're going like 60, 65, right? I know that's not the posted speed limit, limit, but people are going and there's no barriers to protect you from oncoming traffic. So that becomes a huge issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it just pisses me off, honestly. And I feel like something needs to be done about it. Yeah, definitely something that we as a nation, as a state, as a city, we can focus even more on because, yeah, it it is sad what's happening out there right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
for me, this is not a gripe as much as a, I want to bring this story to the table, but it will turn into a gripe kind of because we spend a lot of time talking about crime in our city, whether it be through media outlets, whether it be this podcast sometimes. But I mm-hmm. want to bring a story to the table that is a good story in regards to crime because 39 people were arrested and hit with felony charges for alleged gang activity. This was a big bust. And this bust cleared off almost 248 kilograms of meth, including more than 300,000 meth pills laced with fentanyl and more than 1.7 kilograms of fentanyl as well. Heroin, cocaine, PCP, along with the drugs, they also found a bunch of guns and also $110,000 in cash. So a huge bust here and just cleaning up the streets. So a positive story, something we should celebrate. Jeez, that is insane. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And that is crazy. That could have been on the streets and that could have been impacting our community. Yeah, no, I definitely. Thanks so much for bringing this to light. I had no idea. Yeah, I know citizens want less crime. So something is being done and people are trying. So just want to bring that there. All right, Dina, that was a lot of fun. A lot of stories. We hit on a lot. I didn't know The Rock and Oprah were going to catch strays today, but they (laughs) did. So there is that. Thank you so much. And of course, if we forgot any of the stories that you thought were important, send us a message. We've got all the information in our show notes and we'd love to hear from you. Dina, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for help. This was fun. That was Dina Kespa. Hey, do you want more news stories in your inbox at 6 a.m. every weekday? Then don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Hey Houston, at houston.citycast.fm. From news, events, Houston history, we've got you covered with Hey Houston. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Oh my God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so sorry, Carly. <laughs> I think it's the lack of sleep. Okay. <laughs> Let me reset that. Oh, good Lord.